Welcome back to the Two Guys Named Chris Show. At this week, every time, we welcome Lisa Lanier onto our program. She is the official attorney of the show, and she will solve at least three legal cases. We usually get into more here. Does it with uh, no problem at all. Lisa, hello, and how are you? I'm fantastic. I hope you guys are. Doing very well, thank you. Let's jump into this first case. A Mississippi woman said she was having a nightmare. Her name is Lindsay Stevens. She's 33, Moselle, Mississippi. She says that she had a dream, a nightmare, that her husband was cheating on her. She got up, went to the kitchen, grabbed a butcher knife, and stabbed him in the back up to seven times. He woke up, called 911. She said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was asleep. He doesn't want to press any charges. The question is, they're investigating this now. My question is, Lisa, if she, if he doesn't want to ch- press charges, can they still go ahead and press charges against her? Is this I was asleep defense going to work for her? Yeah, they are very much pressing charges against her, and it doesn't matter any longer. It used to be that if a victim wasn't cooperative, then oftentimes law enforcement would not charge. But that went by the wayside a pretty long time ago. Because they, the problem was that in typical domestic violence situations, often the victim was afraid um, or would reconcile with the abuser, mm-hmm. and so they stopped doing that. But um, here, where you know, it's an interesting. She she has been charged with a very serious felony, and she faces a long, like ten to ten to fifteen years in prison. Mm-hmm. And she is, you know, I mean, she says, "Hey, look, I was I had no intent here because I was sleepwalking." The burden will be on her. To, you know, the state has the burden of proving the crime, but then she has a very high burden of proving this defense, and she will have to introduce expert medical evidence and she'll have to show probably prior examples of sleepwalking Mm -hmm. and it's typically not a winning defense and especially here where you think you know she had to go into the kitchen find a butcher knife come back she stabbed him so many times he was in critical care had to have emergency surgery almost died you know it's not a it's not a very strong defense so i think ultimately she will probably lose unless she can show strong medical evidence that this has been a recurring thing and that she's tried to do things to make it safer and prevent this from happening again, mm-hmm. I think she's probably going to lose it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I usually get shouted down on this, but I think that defense is a pretty good one only because we have had dozens of phone calls on, on our air talking about sleepwalking, especially when you're on something like Ambien, and making yeah. you do things like go down and cook a whole breakfast and eat it and you don't even remember it. You know, you're that it's that much of a... Uh, drug that paralyzes you to what you're doing and you have no idea you're doing i think that can happen if i was in the jury i would be sympathetic to her especially if she was on ambient because i think you can do things we had a caller once say he got out of bed and or and walked all the way to the stop sign at the end of the street and then walked back in their bare feet in the middle of a freezing cold winter night because they were on ambient and sleepwalking i think this oh yeah the ambient the ambient defense is is something i mean people do all people have committed all kinds of crimes Mm -hmm. And it is an interesting argument that if you were taking a prescribed medication like Ambien, it's not a voluntary intoxication yes. um, necessarily like it is with alcohol. But, you know, in this situation, if you don't have the intent to commit the crime, then technically the state can't meet that element of their burden of proof if you lack intent. Right. So it is an interesting defense. She didn't mention anything about Ambien, right. but uh, Ambien became very popular, although it has sort of, the pendulum has sort of swung the other way. and. What uh, courts are tending to do is let the person who's charged say that they were on Ambien, but it's not considered a an actual, it's not in and of itself a defense. It can be a factor mm-hmm. in whether or not the jury believes they had the requisite intent. I see. Mm-hmm. What about her husband? Is he going to testify? I mean, could he be the one to testify, yes, she sleepwalks a lot? 
Yeah, that and that would be very helpful to her defense. I think if she has that kind of evidence, in addition to medical evidence, then she might prevail. If he if he will say that this is mm-hmm. not uncommon for her to get up and do weird things in her sleep. Yeah, Your Honor, she uh, she stabbed me with a good knife and put it in the dishwasher, which we don't do. Those you got to hand wash. Yeah. Well, two things: hand wash, good knives. We know a guy, Chris Dim and I know a guy who was sleeping with his girlfriend once, and she years said, ago. Yeah, I mean, many years. And she sat bolt upright in bed. He was still awake, looked at him and said, I'm going to rip your D off and shove it down your throat and kill you. And then laid back down to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And had no memory of it. But he said it it put him in an uneasy feeling. You think? <laughs> yeah. It cast a pall over the relationship. It did. She said, I'm going to rip your penis off, shove it down your throat, and kill you. And then was right back to sleep within seconds. Wow. Unbelievable. Secondly, uh, if my wife stabbed me seven times in her sleep, I would believe her and stay with her and not press charges or try to press her. I would testify for her. I really would. I, would I, you heal your own wounds? I would heal my own wounds. I'm going to clean this up a little. We've received an email from our friend, Two Will Hardo, that says this story proves that crazy poontang is the best <laughs> <laughs> that's hard that's hard he'll go there he'll yeah. say that uh another yeah. story here this one you'll probably have no sympathy for this guy the boston marathon bomber which i can't even pronounce his name but he's in prison now in a supermax prison in colorado he's suing the federal government for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. 26 years old now of course convicted of being a part of that uh, the two people who did the bombing at the uh, Boston Marathon a few years ago. He's accusing guards there and the warden uh, at a place called Alcatraz of the Rockies of being unlawful, unreasonable, and discriminatory because they took away his white baseball cap and bandana that he bought legally in the prison commissary, and they won't let him take more showers. He's demanding more showers. He only gets one every couple of days, I believe. And so he's saying, this: I'm, I'm being discriminated against. This is unfair treatment. It's inhumane. Can he sue and can he win for $250,000 because nobody has any sympathy for this guy? What are your thoughts on him, Lisa? Yeah, he's going to lose. He, this is one of those crazy prison lawsuits where they do it themselves. He hand-wrote it. It was scribbled. Mm-hmm. He turned it into the – he mailed it into the court without the filing fee. And he didn't – he made all these accusations about his prison commissary trust account, but he didn't include any, any attachments as they're required to do showing – what his prison commissary, you know, his uh, trust account had in it. And so the judge already has said, look, this is, I'm going to throw this out. And I, you know, it's just, it's not, it doesn't meet any legal standard. And he, and he really, I mean, his accusations are pretty baseless in terms of it, they all get three showers a week in this prison and that's all. And that he's not going to get any more. And they say he took, that they took away, he had, when he was doing the bombing, he was wearing a white baseball cap. And so mm-hmm. it became like his signature, it's his trademark thing. And so they became available in the prison commissary, and he bought one, and they, they took it away from him. They so. sell outerwear and accessories? <laughs> <laughs> it's a prison it's store. A super it's a super prison. You should get a pack of nabs and maybe a Dr. Pepper if you've been good. And a blanket oh, yeah. in winter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now in stock, the newest Yeezys. <laughs> Flat brim with the, with the gold yeah. label on it. Come We're on. now carrying the Post Malone line of Crocs. <laughs> What's our prison catalog? I mean, come on. The last time I saw yeah. a bandana on a prisoner was in Stir Crazy with Richard Pryor. Uh, I know, come at on. The rodeo. Yes. Come on. How ridiculous. I'm with you. But now, if they really, in three showers a week, I will say that. That seems a little low to me. Three, you know, it's basically. You got thousands of people there. 
Is that why they're only doing three? I think there's probably a, I don't know how many are there, but I think there's at least a thousand, right? Is that pretty typical, Lisa? And it's a, it's a super high security prison. He's in a cell by himself. I mean, it's not like, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't get out and exercise very often or anything. So, I mean, it's not like he's, nobody smells, you know, who's he going to offend with his body odor? You know, I guess that's right then. We have the newest Tiger Woods Nike line. (laughs) (laughs) 